deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas outdoor nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, podcaster, webmaster, a couple other things I do uh, in the outdoor industry, but I won't bore you with all those here. Thank you so much for tuning into our show, and please... If you've not done so, subscribe to the show because it is free and it comes out every other week, bi-weekly, um, twice a month. And uh, we've got a really good show lined up for this week again. But however you're listening, whether you catch us on YouTube or on Podbean or FM Player or Stitcher or iTunes or wherever you catch this podcast, be sure to subscribe and uh, like the show. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. That helps other people find us, and we really appreciate that for sure. All right, if you have been keeping score on this podcast, this is episode number 49 officially as far as full episodes go, which means our next episode is going to be episode 50, and man, am I pumped about that. Uh, we're going to have a special show. I'm going to invite Mac and Prowler and maybe some other folks on the show, uh, do some segments with them, but celebrating 50 shows this next podcast which i'm really excited about but what i wanted to do for this show since we had such a fun time two weeks ago with mr rex holmes jr from vapor trail since i wanted to have him back on because we didn't cover all that we wanted to cover on that show and I, it's rare that i have a guest back on back to back but i mean this guy is just full of awesome wildlife biology and tried and true technology that he's used in the field um, with, with his products and just general knowledge about white-tailed deer and other wildlife in the in the woods and i just i love this guy i really uh appreciate him joining us again and i uh, just really thought that his information is really good one of the listeners to the show that i talked to the other night um <laughs> He's an avid listener to the show. He said, you just cost me some money on that last podcast because he's getting ready to go out and buy some Vapor Trail Sin stuff. So and I'm never really a product guy, as you guys know. I mean, obviously, I'm sponsored by a couple of folks um, that don't quite sponsor the podcast yet. But, I mean, I am personally a pro staff for, a, for quite a few outdoor companies. But I never really try to push products so much on this show as in I just want to bring you positive information and, and be an inspirational, motivational force and a source of hope for you. Uh, to get out in the outdoors and really enjoy the best that it has to offer and um, whether that's communing with God or Jesus or you know communing with nature or whatever the case you're into um, you know for me it's just a way to get away from the hustle and bustle of the real world and uh, and relax and uh, that's the reason why a lot of us hunt and fish and do other things in the outdoor world so anyway I uh, really like this guy I like his products a lot I will tell you that much I'm getting ready to place another order for my dad um, to get some product, uh, some dig a hole product, uh, for his, uh, feeder up in Oklahoma. So we connected again on the phone with Mr. Rex Holmes Jr. Really enjoyed this. We'll get right into this next. Here's our interview together. Joining me on the phone once again is Mr. Rex Holmes Jr. from Vapor Trail Sense. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Once again, back to back, Mr. Rex, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good and you, and I'm kind of anxious to tell our guys there about, you know, how to spray down. Yes, that's one thing we didn't get to in the last show, which is why I wanted to have you back on, because you make the 33-point buck, that's what your your uh, scent eliminator is called, right? Yes, yes, and it's actually in, it's made out of the plants, the main plants that the animals love to eat, so it's a real good attractor at the same time. Yeah, I smelled some of it this weekend, and what really caught my my nose was the uh, dig a hole. I got the sweet corn version of that, 
And uh, for an attractant, man, that made me want to eat some of it. <laughs> it smelled delicious, <laughs> you know. But um, the 33-point buck, definitely nothing to sneeze at. That, that's really good good cover scent from what I've smelled of it and what I've, uh, what I've heard other of your uh, customers say. And uh, tell us, I was just intrigued on the last podcast what you were talking about with the um, where to spray down. Yeah, the you know, people, you know, when it's natural, I mean, I thought the thing, same thing that we really started doing our testing and learning, you know, the number one spot we emit scent naturally is our, is our hair and our head, you know, yes. because that's or the biggest part of steam and the, the hottest part of, of your body is, you know. So any scent killer out there or scent eliminator, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't, that you can't spray on your face and your hair. And it's, I mean, you, you might as well not even, you know, really honestly and truly, although I do say all the time, every little bit helps, and, and it does. But sure. to really to have that confidence to be able to go out there and sit in a stand when the wind changes and blows straight to your feeder or straight across your food pot to have that confidence in a product that you have to be able to spray down with that product Mm -hmm. but that's our number one and i remember when i was in high school we took hair and put it in a petri dish you know and that thing growed bacteria like the next day the petri dish was full. It is a highly bacteria, which to have scent, you have to have bacteria, you right. know, to assert half of us, basically. Sure. So, you know, and the other thing to have bacteria, you have to have oxygen, just mm-hmm. like to have a fire, you have to have oxygen. The same thing. That's how your ozonics works. It takes the oxygen away so the bacteria can't grow and you can't have the smell. That's when, you know, when they go in a house and they got dead animal in there or something or other, that's how they get rid of it. They take all of the oxygen out of the atmosphere, which takes the scent away. Okay. And, you know, that's how ozonics work. So, your hair is your number one okay so that's the the main thing if you wear a hat which we all do in the woods you want to take that hat off you want to spray your hair down spray your face down your neck and spray also spray the inside of your head a lot of people take their hat off and they spray their head and whatnot and you want to spray that hat also so that the the scent eliminator gets into the fabric and protects it for a long period of time. Now, the best scent eliminator there is, which is the 33, by the way, will only last when you're sweating like Katie barred a door out there in 90 <laughs> degree weather about two hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happens as you sweat, it comes out of your pores, even our deodorant we use and, and, um, you know, and, and, and and even though they're scent eliminated deodorants and what they still got chemicals in it, you know, and, and you still get that minute a deer could pick up enough that, you know, to, to make them leave the area, not enough to make them blow and throw a fit, you know, but after about two hours, your pores are sweating out and bringing stuff out that in your enzymes, enzymes are like, to me are like Pac-Man eating. They're eating the bacteria and killing the bacteria. 
experience, you know, and they only last so long and you need it. So, but we've set literally with the wind blowing straight to the feeder with the animals on the feeder, about two hours, they start to pick us up. I mean, you can tell. And then eventually about two and a half hours, three hours, they're going to leave, you know, but they'll start, you'll notice they start to pick up a little, they'll start and go and trying to sort it out, you know? So when you're in a stand every two hours, you want to spray down. The other thing is the number two spot we emit scent. This is the one that blows everybody's mind because naturally they're going to think it's your crotch. Right. You know, naturally. And it, and 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 that that is a huge part that we emit scent, but the number 2 spot, believe it or not, is our feet. Very good. And I was flabbergasted no. when you first told me that last Friday when we talked on the phone just casually. Because I, I understand the importance of that. And on the podcast before our last one, Lou Marilla was talking about wearing rubber boots. But you want to season those rubber boots and not just put them on one day from the store because they're going to smell like rubber, right? Yeah, what basically that boot becomes an air compressor. When we, when we take a step, just a normal step, we put like 300 pounds of pressure on that boot so when we pick our feet up our feet kind of come up a little bit and they go down i mean we're compressing air we're pushing air out of the top of our boots all the time and even though you got rubber boots you're still you know and it's moisture because your feet are sweating down in there you know and the moisture and the moisture is floating in the air and it sticks to i mean I can't tell you how many videos we got that we did this. You know, we would literally walk across the trail and watch the deer and the hogs come to the trail, pick us up immediately, you know. And if you spray the, you know, I put my socks, I spray my socks down. I put my socks on and, well, I spray my socks down. I spray my feet down. I put my socks on. I spray my socks down on the outside again. And I spray inside my boot and I put my boots on and I spray my pants legs down before I put my boots. Because here we have a lot of water in the swamps and we wear rubber boots with our pants tucked in. You know, Mm -hmm. now not all people don't do that. So, you know, that's the way we do it. But but that's your that's your number two spot. Then your number three naturally would be your crotch and and whatnot like that and that's why it's you know if if a person's in a position to do it to to get a shower right before you go to the woods yes if you if you're not in a position to do that you can take the the wipes that they make and you literally and and we do this when we go to the mountains or we'll go out into the backwoods we got a cabin out there but we don't have any running water you know, we got electricity, but no running water. So we'll, uh, you know, and there's no creek there or pond or nothing like that. So we take those those hand wipes and we actually take a bath with those and it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't uh, you don't get to wash your hair or whatnot like that, but you can take the uh, the antibacterial uh, hand, you know, antiseptic hand um and wash your hair and then take a bottle of water and kind of rinse it out you know especially if you've been sweating a lot and we do that you know when we're 
when we're out and about. Well, the idea there is that it's killing the bacteria, which is causing the odor, correct? Exactly. Based on what you said earlier, that's just kind of what I figured. So I just want to make sure I understood that. Okay, good. Yeah. That's the biggest, that's the biggest part of the scent that actual animals pick up on us, Mm -hmm. you know, and naturally it's in the air and it's in a liquid. I mean, they don't only smell it, they taste it, you know, and that's why they got those wet noses of dogs the same way. When it sticks there, it's there and they pick it up, they pick it up immediately. Oh, that's good mm-hmm. to know. That's really good to know. So, I mean, scent elimination is so vitally important for for um, for bow hunting, but, you know, a lot of people just kind of throw all that into the wind, and I know I've been very, you know, conscious of doing this too when it comes to gun hunting, but I really think to see those bigger deer come out and really, you know, not set anybody on alert, you almost need to do it all the time you're hunting, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yes. The other thing is, you know, we we're – our climate, we're in a climate change big time. When I was a kid, we had a prevailing wind, you know, and you could hunt a prevailing wind, but you can't do that anymore. I get, you know, I get tickled when we're doing seminars and all people, oh, I hunt the wind, I hunt the wind. You know, if you think that you can hunt the wind today, go stand around a fire. Yes. And watch how many times. That I wind mean, changes, right? Wind change it, and it's the same way in a tree stand. If you're sitting up there, and you got you take a little piece of uh, thread or whatever, and put on your gun barrel or or on your camera arm or whatever, and you watch it, it'll be blowing one way one minute, and it'll be blowing the other way the next minute. I mean, we don't have a prevailing wind anymore. And I, you know, me personally, I. I think that the earth has changed its axis, you know, when that tsunami hit in over in Indonesia, the earth moved to like seven degrees off its axis. And I think that's more what's causing the the wind and the weather so much to change more so than, you know, the greenhouse gases that they're saying and whatnot. I think I think it plays a really big part, especially in the way the wind blows. I mean, like yesterday, we had a north wind here. We hardly ever have a north wind now. We have a north wind, you know, pretty regularly and used to. You could, if you were, you know, north of your feeder, you wouldn't didn't have to worry about nothing here. But now you know you you never know when no. we went to the stand you know and and we still have a well you know a more south prevailing wind than than we do a north so my my stand that we got in saturday afternoon was north of the feeder but yet the wind was blowing to the south like katie bar the door you know right. so when Bo laid on the ground friday night he was actually south of the feeder so we had a north wind which was better but we we put that where we lay when we lay on the ground we always try to lay to where the wind's blowing straight to the feeder and we'll only be two four feet from the animals Mm -hmm. you know but uh the hunting the wind days are over i mean you can't do it anymore it's just not gonna work now we get blessed god blesses us you know and we get to kill deer no matter even guys that don't never use any scent eliminator or, or anything like that but it is so it's like i had a guy 
called me yesterday, you know, he said, I had deer all the way around me. So I did not get out of my stand at nine o'clock, you know, and it, and it was actually his first time to use the 33. He said, I just had to call you. He said, I ain't <laughs> never seen nothing like this in my life. That's you know? great. I couldn't, I couldn't even get out of my stand. He said, normally they ain't a deer there, you know? Yep. That's a good product testimonial for you right there. Yeah. I mean, you get calls like that all the time, which is the thing that amazes me about your products is that they work, you know, and, and, uh, I've certainly become a fan recently, but you know, you're right. There's so many variables in hunting period. There's so many variables in, uh, wind change and, um, you know, every, every hunting experience is a unique one. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. It's, you know, and and I, that's why we love it so much. Sure. Because you don't, you don't never know what's going right. to happen. We go, we go fishing. There's no, you might get a hundred pound fish. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You that's know? life and in that's, the great outdoors, right there. You know, <laughs> so. exactly. I, I mean, one day I'm sitting there and a, a, a squirrel's, you know, coming down the tree right beside me. All of a sudden, I like to jump out of the stand and bag gum. <laughs> Hawk come right over my head and grabbed that squirrel, you know. Oh my goodness! Me, you know, yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, it was so quick. And we was filming one day, and I give anything if we'd had camera on, but we didn't. Uh, the guy was laying right by the feeder, and we had some limbs in front of him, you know, to kind of block him out. Although he was in a ghillie suit. And a red bird landed on that limb right in front of his face. <laughs> and that hawk hit that red bird, I mean, wide open, went right into his face. And it all happened so fast, he didn't know what happened, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that time. It reminds me of, uh, and I've told this story on the podcast before, so excuse me if you've heard it, but um, Jackson, my son, and I were fishing last uh, last Labor Day weekend, actually, and um, not this past one, but 2016, and uh, we're reeling in a perch, which we like to just go jerk perch just for fun, and um, and basically we rolled one in, or we were reeling one in, and he, a uh, big old bass comes up and jumps out of the water and grabs it midair and runs off with it, you know, I mean. I could live a hundred years and maybe never something like that happens again. But I mean, it's those memories you create in the outdoors, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. One time me and my dad was in the canoe fishing in this lake and he had a bass on probably about two pounds. And, uh, it was wrapped around. I was in the front of canoe and he was in the back and the bass was wrapped around a a stop under the water you know and right. i looked the line was barely on it so i just the paddle i just reached down there with the canoe paddle and was going to push the line off of the the thing and when that paddle was molded it had a sharp edge around the outside and that sharp edge and my dad had that tension on it real tight when that paddle hit that line that line just broke mm-hmm. and wow. that bass that bass was in such a hurry to leave there he swam right up that paddle and right in the boat and my dad said well that one's gone i said nope he's right, he's here. right in the boat <laughs> what a story that's why i love the outdoors so much because the unpredictable happens so regularly you know you got plenty of campfire stories you know <laughs> so yeah yeah no that's yeah. great um, you know, uh, 
just sitting here thinking one thing I wanted to to tell you, you know, the people listening and whatnot is about, you know, why a two doe estrus is better than a one doe estrus. Yes. You ever you ever thought about that? I never have. I mean, I've only used one doe estrus in the past, and they those those come at a premium, like we were talking about before the show started. Those come kind of come at a premium price, and I've used you know quite a bunch of the 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 regular ones that are in the market. You make one that's um, what is it called again? I forget. I've got one in here at the house, but you um, it's a doe fawn. We call it- what is it? Yeah, we yeah we make a DBY. DBY, that's what I mean. That's what I'm, yeah, doe buck yearling. That that represents a bedding area. Okay. Uh, it actually has a little bit, teeny tiny bit of food source in it. So when an animal gets, if you're using the DBY and the deer get downwind of you, they think that there's a bunch of deer over there having a smorgasbord. Basically, right. is what it does. You know, which happens when you know most deer. They're like us, and when they go into their bedding area, they got a mouthful, and they sit in there chewing on it, you know, and, of course, the saliva and the, the moisture is getting in the air, and it's going downwind, and when other deer get downwind, they know they're over there, and they over there eating, and this, that, and this, so sure. I'm going to go over there and check that out, right. you know. No, and I mean, it It really, it works. It's really, I mean, other companies make basically the same thing. And, and you know, it's one of those things uh, that that just works because, you know, deer are real curious. All animals are curious, yeah. you know. I mean, you literally can't tell you how many times. I mean, uh, the other night I turned the, the green light on, the... Uh, there was some deer out in front of me and I was going to film a little bit better and I turned the green light on and the, the doe, she never seen that before, didn't know she, I mean, she walked straight to the gum. I was in a shooting house about four <laughs> foot off the ground. She walked straight to the shooting house, you know. <laughs> I mean, right dead at me. Yeah. That's great. Well, here she comes. She's coming right <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> really one of those cases. But you you make uh what does it call it? Sheila something or other for the for the yeah. Delorean? Yeah, we make the my Sheila. My Sheila, our, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yes, that's our estrus uh scent. Uh you know, our dough and heat basically. And we only collect, we collect from two does at a time. We'll collect one gallon. And that's the, that's the other thing that people don't really realize. You know, a deer urinates about eight ounces at a time, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 times a day. Wow. So there is a, there is a ton of urine in the woods, you know, those guys that like in trying to say that EHD and whatnot's passed through urine and well, that's bull malarkey because mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got these pens out there with, you know, eight or 10 deer in them and only one of them has got EHD, you know, so if it was passed by urine, every one of them, I mean, that the whole, they in a little one acre pen, they're they're in the urine and licking and tasting and everything all day long if it was in the urine they all would have it you know i mean and that that's just one of those things i disagree with them on and i always will the uh our dough and heat the my sheila we collect from only two does and it never gets crossed we we don't you know when we're bottling it Every time we get through with what we make it, we take one gallon at a time and we make it 
we put it in a four ounce bottle. It comes in a four ounce bottle and we put it in that four ounce bottle one at a time. When we get done with that one gallon and we get it in the bottles, then we take and we wash everything out and we start over with another two does that we've collected. You know, we'll collect that gallon. We'll get, if you, if you collect pretty much all night, all day, you'll get a gallon off of each animal. So you get, you get two gallons, you know, of two doe estrus. Now you can collect one doe estrus and there's a lot of companies that do it. But in reality, one doe estrus is not as good. You're going to get better results and see more animals and get more chance at, you know, more mature deer with a two doe estrus than you are a one doe estrus. Now I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of companies say that, you know, but here's why. Okay. Just to kind of simplify it a little bit and make it in something that we would do. Okay. Uh, let's say I walk in the restaurant and I look over there in the corner and it, there's the most beautiful woman with this guy I ever seen. <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, she, <laughs> yeah, she is drop dead gorgeous. This dude's about eight foot tall, weighs about 300 pounds. <laughs> Ain't no, no way on this earth. I'm going over there fooling with him, you know, ain't going to happen. But now if I walk in that room and I look over there and there that dude is, and he's got two with him. You got a chance. Two of them, you got a chance, okay? I see. You got a you got a 180-inch buck that whoops everything in the woods, okay? And your next buck in line, let's say, is 160 inches. He may come around there, but he may not. This depends. I mean, those bucks have temperaments just like we do you've got young ones that are real cocky and whatnot and they'll come in there and mess with him but not all the time but if that one that's not real cocky or whatnot he coming through the woods and he smells these two does that are hot and ready to go then he smells mr bigfoot over there too you know he said well you know he he can't handle both of them you know, yep. I might, there's a chance, mm-hmm. there's a chance. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's one of those scientific things. If you think about it, you know, and as far as us filming and what we do, we get a lot more bucks off a of two doe estrus than we do one doe estrus. And we just don't see the need to put more, you know, cost in our hunters you know, pockets. So for a we single just make, yeah, that makes sense. For a single doe. Right. You know, there's just there's just no reasoning behind it, you know, other than to you know, to make more money and you know, and with me, anytime you make something about money, it's gonna cause you yeah. problems. Yeah, that's true. That's just the way mm-hmm. the world works. I mean, especially in hunting, you know, hunters, it's said in fishing, you know, that more men are caught by fishing lures than fish. But, you know, we all have our kind of favorite that we've had in the, in the past of, of deer urine or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, 
I like to concentrate on what the biology is, like what you've studied. And this is fascinating to me about the two does versus one doe estrus. And and you also said something that, that intrigued me last podcast, the um, – the 40 degree rule with uh, with doing doe estrus because a lot of times in parts of Texas, especially South Texas and Central Texas where I live, they don't it, the weather doesn't get down past 40 degrees in a lot of cases. Why? What's the rule on that? Yeah, the uh, you know the reason I just um, you know when I was a kid, I always my grandpa said, "Man, I wish it'd get cold. I wish it'd get cold." And just when the when the temperature gets down to around 40 degrees. That dough is steaming, you know, okay. so much more. See, there's so it. much more steam coming off of her and going. And when we, even when we breathe, you know, you get down to around 40 degrees, you breathe in the morning, you can see the steam in your sure. breath, you know, in the same way. So you just, there's just more scent in the air when yes. it's down 40 degrees, you know, and that's why I always stay under 40 and, and the bucks know this. And when it's a little cool morning and they get a sniff or whatever, they, they, it, you know, they're more tend to believe it, especially when it, there hadn't been any other does in the area, you know, at the time that have been that are in estrus. And that's the other thing we can do. Once it starts to get cool, we can make mock scrapes and we can spray the bottom of branches and spray bushes and put dough and heat in our block of woods we can literally make them bucks think, hey, this thing's fixing to go. Yes. I get you that. Know? I get that. I was just and, curious the biology behind the 40-degree uh, rule, you know, if you will. Yes. So, but cold, you know, yeah. if it's not 40 degrees, in some cases, as long as it's cold, that makes the sense for that that aroma, that, that, that smell, that scent to get out, um, you know, and, and be more believable to the buck. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. It that just makes, makes it, it makes it more natural. Hmm. That's great. Yep. That's great. Yep. Um, do you, um, do you know what a deer's normal body temperature is? So you were telling me on the last show that it's 112 degrees is what that, what that, if it, when a doe squats and pees, it's 112 degrees coming out of, out of her body. Uh, would that be the, exactly. the, the, the temperature of that, of that deer? I, I, I've never studied that before to tell you the truth. Their actual body temperature is 104 degrees. And there's a reason for that. You know, God made their temperature 140 degrees so that they could withstand the cold. I mean, right. can you, we're, we're 98.6, you know, yes. can we, can you imagine if we was 104 degrees, how much more cold weather we could stay sure. in? Sure. That's a good you point. Know, I mean, you know, I mean, it would make a huge difference in, and, and that's how they do it. You know, they can survive those cold, cold winters because their body temperature is more than ours, you know? So even on a hundred degree day, they're emitting scent when they're walking around at 104 degrees more so than us. Us, really and truly, on a 100-degree day, are because heat rises and moisture rises. Yes. Heat. So we're 98.6. We're not putting off. We're not going to put as much scent in the air, really, on a 100-degree day as as we would on a 70-degree day. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I so in kind of a kind of a double negative in there in a way and that's why your scent eliminator is so so important 
I mean, and when you're in the stand and you're spraying uh, dough and heat out, you know, to bring a buck into you, that dough and heat is going directly downwind. And that's why the stuff never really ever worked as good as it should have for people is because the buck is coming straight into the wind and, and he smells them. You know, mm-hmm. their scent eliminator wasn't good enough and he smelled them and, you know, and, and, and turned and didn't come that way. And of course they never knew he was coming. Yeah, and so you never they, saw it. That was my point earlier. You never saw it. You never so, saw it. So you never knew it was yeah. there to begin with. And you're like, Oh, I wonder why I didn't yeah. see any deer this morning. So it's so vitally important yeah. when you're using cover scent, you know, to use a good, you know, scent eliminator and a good, mm-hmm. you know, my Sheila or, um, What's the other one? DBY. Yes, the okay. same way with hunting a scrape line. You know, right. hardly any deer. I think I've killed one or two deer my whole life on a scrape line before. You know, we came out with the thirty-three, and the reason being, the buck always comes from downwind. Yes. And a lot of times he don't even go directly. He'll walk downwind and smell. He'll know if a doe's been over there and left or whatever. You know, a lot of times we would never even, I can remember all kind of people saying, oh man, I seen him. He was out there and he went, well, he knew he was there. I mean, he smelled you, you know, what the only reason he didn't come in is because he smelled you when he walked downwind. That's why hunting scrapes, you know, if you're a scrape hunter, you want to be scent free. I mean, you have to be, you don't want to be, you have to be, if you're not, the animal's not going to come to you. They'll never, they'll it's circle downwind and smell the human scent and then never come in. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's I mean, amazing. it's all, I mean, it's just all part of, it. and that's why the, you know, the native Americans, what we're doing today is the same thing that the native Americans did a hundred years ago. And we're basically using some of the same plants that they use. And I mean, that's where we got our ideas from. Sure. In reality, you know, we went back and researched as far as we could go and dug everything we could out. And then we just started playing with this and that, you know, and God gave us the right thing to do. Well, actually gave Sammy Corley. He was the guy that come up with the um, actual number one scent killing ability of this product. Okay. You know, and this guy, this guy can make, he can sit down and make you a perfect spearhead in about five minutes. Wow. He'll walk out there, he'll walk out there and sit down in the yard and pull the grass up and weave you a bowl. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> old school, I'm no school like the old school, right? <laughs> I'm telling you. That's this great. Guy, I mean, That's way every, old school. Every, yep. Wow. Everything the Native Americans did, he can do it. Wow. You know, and that's basically, I mean, the Native Americans, they they didn't shoot uh, an animal at 20 yards. They shot them at five feet, mm-hmm. you know, at six feet. They'd see which way the buffalo was going. They'd go out there and lay down in the grass. When the buffalo got all around them, they went to shooting them. Mm-hmm. That's how they killed them. And the buffalo's wondering They'd stand there, you know, what in the world's going on? Finally, they said, oh, we better get out of here by then. They it's too late. Them a yeah. bunch of them, it's too know? late. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> 
Yeah, but this is this is that that same technology that you're going into your products is the same technology they use. That's really neat. Yes, that's how we that's how we did it. Everybody said, "How did y'all do that?" That's how. Well, basically, how Sammy did it, and when we, you know, and we we constantly doing things, you know, to to make it better, and and we learn things as we go too. You know, I mean. Two years ago, with the dough and estrus, I said, this is it. We will never be able to make this any better. And every year since then, we have made it better. You know, right now, uh, the, the top dough urine can only be 50 parts estrus. That's as high as any dough has ever been, okay? And we literally, we won't collect unless that dough is 30 parts estrus. If she gets under 30, we don't collect, and we test it before we do. I mean, we, uh, and as far as I know, no other company does that. Well, I mean, that's an attention yeah. to detail. I think it needs to go into a product like that because there are a lot of folks that, you know, buy it off the shelf, you know, at Academy or wherever, and uh, and then wonder why, you know, how is this made? You know, you guys have really gone into the details of why you want to take the dough urine at that instead of just extracting all of it and marketing it in mass amounts, you know? Yep. I think that's, yep. that's very important. You know, I think that's important for our listeners to hear that actually product, you know, product development goes into a product like this and it's not just, you know, spray and pray and just, you know, hope that it all works, you know? Uh, there are a lot of companies out there that just are interested in the bottom line profit and, and not at the hunter's best interest. I got a picture yesterday of a little girl killed a spike. Um, and I know her daddy, he put the picture, sent the picture to me. She's seven years old. <laughs> I mean, you cannot believe the smile. On this <laughs> he shot, she shot this deer at 11 yards. Mm. They was other they was other deer that was eight yards. They were I think he said there was fourteen deer there in front of them, and the wind was blowing straight to the animals. the The little girl shot it with a crossbow. Seven years old, and she was in the blind. Her mother was in the blind, and the daddy was in the blind. All three of them in the blind. The deer damn wind, Good and enough. she shot it at eleven yards. I mean that's and. Of course, I mean he did. I mean he's been using the thirty-three for a long time. And he knows, you know, you don't do that. You would never no. get a and you know and. Uh, but that little and I haven't posted it on my page yet, but I'm going to. I mean the smile on that youngin's face. Um, he's done blooded both her cheeks up. <laughs> she's got the big, the biggest smile yet. That's what makes. That's what makes it worth, you know, worthwhile yeah, that to makes take memories. the time to make this right and to do it, you know. And when I see that, and uh, I've had guys, you know, send me pictures of, I had a guy last year, his son, sit, now these, this deer was killed in a ground blind also. They sat on the ground with the deer, okay? A guy last year, they was in a ground blind. Him and his son, his son was probably eight or nine. I don't remember exactly, but uh, they shot, he shot his deer at five yards. You know, the daddy sent me, it was a, it was a, it was a rack buck. His daddy sent me the picture, you know, said it was, I think it was the last day of the season too. He, uh, 
just thinking that daddy was just thinking he said if it wouldn't have been for your product we would have never got this deer it would have never happened i mean he was just thinking and that that's what makes it you know so much worth taking the time to make sure it's right and i mean we literally do that if we if we pour a bottle and you know a lot of times and we say you know you'd say oh that's enough but i said we don't we put more in there if we think it it's a little bit lower it may be even a hair low we pour more in we'll go back and pour more in there you know we just i mean that's that's what we do we doing it for the hunter i mean i want every person out there to kill every animal they can you right. know that's that's my goal that's what we work for and that's why we come up with this stuff to start with right and believe it or not when we first started and guys get their hands on this they wouldn't tell their own daddies mm-hmm. you know they kept they said oh no this secret. is my secret yep. i ain't telling i had i had a man that owns a bow shop he killed six deer for his son his Daddy, what are you doing? Finally, his son found where he hit him. <laughs> you know, he said, what is this? <laughs> You're holding that on me, old man. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's great. And I talked about that. I wasn't going to mention this, but the other day um, I was at one of the deer processors. I do computer work for uh, uh, Brizendine's Deer Processing, and they, um, they're based here in Central Texas, too. And I um, was over there doing some computer work. They showed me a picture, which I put on their website, um, that of uh, the seven-year-old with a crossbow that killed this monster buck. I mean, it's his first deer, too. So I guess my um, only question is, good Lord, where do you go from there? You know, I mean, you killed like a 12-point, you know? So Yeah, exactly. But, and that, that yeah. happens a lot. And it really and truly in a lot of cases it ruins it yeah that's what i mean i mean kill a spike first you know kill a doe first but i mean not you know but each to their own you know what i'm saying i mean that's that's not that big of a deal but i was just amazed and i got my son who's eight out in the backyard the other day and we took out my barnet raptor reverse and um he was like i don't know i don't know and i said well just give it a try and we've got good good backstops here and ready to go and he may, he hit just above the bullseye with his first shot with the crossbow. I mean, I could not be more proud. I posted it on Facebook. So, you know, yep. I, uh, I'm just, I'm a happy dad when I can get kids out in the outdoors shooting and hunting and doing stuff like that and fishing and everything, you know, that's just, that's really where my heart mm-hmm. is and all this stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's awesome with them youngins. I mean, it, and you don't never know what they're going to say. Exactly. Kids say the darndest you know, thing is the old book from the 50s said, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't never know what. No, that's right. That's gonna... why. So when I'm filming, you know, you only got so much battery time, you know, so you're not trying to. But really and truly with a kid, you don't never need to shut that camera off because no. you don't never know what they're going to turn around and and come up with next and i i i hunted with two kids in tennessee at a kid's hunt and we hunted all weekend together you know we hunted friday afternoon and saturday and sunday and by sunday afternoon actually we killed four deer that they each do each of them killed a doe and a buck and and on the sunday 
they had listened to us about, they knew more about the 33 than we did. Mm. You know, they had it all logged in and we had them down there with the deer and all. And they went to talking about the 33 and, and I got, I got tickled, you know, at listening at them. And I was holding the camera in my hand, didn't have a tripod. And the, I started laughing and the camera you ever started shaking. Well, just listening. I mean, you just don't never know what no, they're going to say. I love know. kids in the outdoors, man. That is a blast. I mean, I, I just get such a rise out of my son. I'm going to start taking him. I took him a few years ago and he really wasn't quite ready, but now that he's eight, I think he's ready to at least go out and experience that. And, and my father-in-law thinks we need to wait for him to shoot his first deer. But now that he's getting good with the crossbow, I'm thinking, you know, we may do something sooner. But, um, you know, their kid's younger than him killing deer every year. And um, I just love, you know, that appreciation for what nature is for the um, the biology that's there, like you and I talked about on this show, the um, – the intricacies of why you do certain things a certain way. I mean, I did a podcast with Michael Foster a while back on uh, small game hunting and just the hunting fundamentals that we teach our kids. You know, it's not just about sitting in a blind and shooting a deer. It's about getting out there and seeing what a, what a scat is and knowing what a, what a trail is and, and, and learning how to, how to still hunt for squirrels and that kind of stuff. You know, it's so much a combination yep. of, of things. Yep. Difference in a hog track and a deer track. Yes rub and a scrape sure. and i mean it just it's a constant you know and and we don't realize it as much when we're young but then when you get older and you don't got your parents anymore or whatnot you think my golly look at everything they taught me yeah. you know really i mean seriously <laughs> thing That's i learned what- that's what it's all about, you know, is that it's, tra- you know, transferring that knowledge from generation to generation, which is one reason why I host this podcast every two weeks is just to kind of get that info out there. And I know we've got a younger audience out there listening because a lot of them are into downloading podcasts and stuff. A lot of the older folks aren't, but, um, you know, I just, I love sharing this info. I mean, you've been an incredible guest to do that with. So I want to thank you for the second time for <laughs> being on our show. So. Oh man, I love it. I love it. I, there's nothing like, I mean, I, I'm a very blessed person too. I get to go and, you know, and speak to groups of kids with the NWTF and what that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. I just, I love it so much. And I mean, I try to, um, I try to really, you know, and I talk about this just about every show, I try to really talk about, you know, the next generation is all that we really have as hunters these days because there's such a decline in the sport, you know, and in the sportsman, you know, philosophy and everything because kids have so many different things that they can go do on their on their quote-unquote free time now. Um, they've got video games. They've got stuff that we didn't even have as kids, you know, and, and I grew up in the 80s and you know, but they, they constantly have other distractions that, that occupy their time. But I mean, spending that time in nature is so beneficial. It's so, um, communing with nature is so important, you know, and just getting that time with God or whatever your belief is, um, you know, it's just, it's my communal time for my spirit, if you will. I know that's kind of deep for this show, but you know, for me, that's what, that's what hunting in the outdoors and fishing and that kind of stuff is for me, you know, and I'm sure it's, it's somewhat for you too. Wouldn't you say Rex? Yes, most definitely. And, uh, you know, taking the kids out there and, and in the woods and whatnot, you know, you've got to be, you've got to think about, you know, always have plenty of drinks, always plenty of stuff for them to eat, you know, right. and, and 
you know, if the bugs are really bad, you don't, you know, carry insect repellent, even though it's not something you really want to do, but you have to make it, you know, comfortable to a certain degree to yes. them to the, till they get a little bit of age on them anyway. Right. You know, like, because, you know, just like you take a seven year old little girl out there and the bugs eating her alive, you know, she's not want to go want to go back right. you know you have to think about all of that make it don't just make it comfortable for yourself you know make it come be thinking about them because you know they they've never done it before it's, it's going to be a new experience yes and, make it accessible for them absolutely well i want to thank you again for joining us we're about out of time for this show and i just want to um just can't thank you enough for being on and the the knowledge that you have imparted to our audience has just been tremendous so i i just thank you again thank you man and we really enjoyed it and we appreciate it and if anybody has any questions you know they can go to our facebook page or website vapor trail sense dot com and you know my cell phone numbers on there and they can call me anytime yeah you're just so accessible i mean for somebody that owns such a great company like this i mean you and i call i was saying this in the last podcast we call and just shoot the breeze with each other all the time and i mean you're you're so accessible to talk to with questions and comments and you know, will this work for this or, you know, whatever the case may be, you've got an answer for it. Or if not, you can find out an answer kind of like I can with the magazine. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I love that about you, Rex. I love how, how easy you are, approachable you are. So that's great. Yeah, man. Well, you be careful and uh, we'll, we'll talk again later. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rex Holmes Jr. What an awesome guy, awesome information about whitetail deer and hunting and just about any animal out there, you know, how use a scent for finding danger and detecting people and, and other animals, you know, that, uh, and it's really good to control your scent in the woods. I mean, there's so much more that you see. There's so much more you can do. There's so many things you can pull off. If you just control your scent and take some of the tips that we offer to this podcast, uh, with you. And, uh, I just, I love doing this. I love this show. I love this opportunity to share with you, uh, the different things that are going on. And, um, and something else I wanted to bring to your attention about the show, and um, like I said earlier, we're celebrating 50 episodes in the next podcast, so I'll try to make it as special as I can. And uh, that's been a big deal because we've been around for almost three years now. We started in the spring of 2015, and you look at 2017 and 2016, and now we're uh, approaching 2018, and it's really cool that we've been around for that long. And one of the one of the outdoor podcasts that are out there and obviously we're part of the texas fishing game voice of the texas outdoor nation and uh, we're promoted in their newsletters and i wanted to make sure that you subscribe as well to our magazine if you've not done so already especially if you live around texas uh it's only about 20 bucks or so for a year and um you also get the digital version for free or you can just register for the digital version at fishgame.com that's fishgame.com and um also wanted to bring up the uh the weekend that I spent here recently, a couple of weeks ago, between our last show and this show with Crosswater Outfitters, which is my fishing ministry. It's not my ministry, but it is a ministry I belong to of a lot of other faithful Christian guys that um, that basically come together to serve each other and serve the folks that we have at these events. And uh, we do several of these events throughout the year. This is our first one of the fall, which was the WTU, the Warriors in Transition Brigade Unit. 
you know, I, I've talked on this podcast a lot about, you know, the purpose of influence is to help those who have none. And Rick, uh, Rick uh, Warren said that, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. You know, I really try in this podcast just to show cool things in the outdoors that people are doing to give back and cool things that people are out there. Of course, hunting and fishing and everything. It's a lifestyle. It's conservation. It's uh, preserving the, the hunting and fishing stuff for the next generation. Um, it's, it's taking care of ourselves, taking care of our, uh, our brothers and sisters that do this with us and just, uh, providing for your family meat, you know, that's, that's what you're into. That's what I'm into. Um, but you know, the one thing I learn about, cause we had about 13 different soldiers, 13 different boats, uh, and their families at this event. And it really made me think again to, we're so blessed in this country to have freedom. We're so blessed in this country to have, you know, love and, and support and caring and social services and all kinds of different things that we are provided that we take for granted every day. Um, you know, find an opportunity out in the outdoors to get you involved with something. That's what I prayed for for years and years before I met Crosswaters in 2011. And I, I was introduced them uh, to them by Marty McIntyre, who's the bowfishing guy at GarQuest. And I was introduced to him by, you know, winning a GarQuest gift certificate at Hill Country Bowhunter Shoot. You know, <laughs> it all kind of, you know, that's how I met Rack and Prowler. That's how I got in touch with Texas Fishing Game. It's kind of all a God thing, the way that it worked out in my industry walk. But, you know, I really look at, I've been so blessed in this industry. And I know many of you have been blessed in life, you know, not just necessarily in the outdoor industry, but have been blessed around. We're blessed to be a blessing. And I definitely want to open up that uh, that idea to you as a listener and just see, you know, if there's any possibilities of places you can possibly plug in in your community, in your local area, where you can give back, where you can... Um, serve those who have served you, whether it be the case of taking a soldier fishing, uh, whether it be a case of joining an organization like Crosswater Outfitters or uh, joining an organization like Camp Agape, which I volunteer at every summer as a buddy, and I've done videos and that kind of stuff for them in the past, and uh, really enjoy because those are hurting kids that basically have lost a loved one, a very close person to them uh, that are age 7 to 12 um, that come to that camp. And a lot of them have lost parents, a lot of them have lost um, siblings. I mean, just I just encourage you to get out there in your community, wherever you are, uh, whether you're in the United States or whether you're within Texas, whatever the case may be, and just learn to give back. Um, give back some way. When I was growing up, um, one of the best memories, and I may have shared this in the podcast before, I don't remember. One of the best memories I had with my dad was us going to a boys town little kid i forget what his name is but we just you know changed his whole outlook on life by a fishing trip with my dad and his friend jp and um you know it really touched me that even back then i was kind of being told you know to give back and i give back in a lot of different ways and a lot of different people through a lot of different organizations now but you know i'm blessed to be a blessing and so it's important to be a blessing you know to me i feel willed and called to do that kind of stuff and uh, i hope you will as well if you search in your heart uh if you pray about it whatever the case may be um you know just to find some places to plug into in your world of uh of the outdoors or in any other part of your life that there's people that are in need and there's people all over the place that are in need 
uh, with different things and may not just be hungry or thirsty or um, you know whatever the case may be they just may be in need of some hope and some inspiration and some motivation and some um, you know just just spoonfuls of that and that's what I try to provide in this show and inspire you to go out and have the best of the outdoors so thank you so much for watching reading listening everything that we're doing we're getting ready to launch a new program called hunting school at Texas fishing game probably sometime in November and I'm gonna be writing some of the stories for that so I've got a appointment a couple of appointments to get that stuff lined out and that's going to be sponsored by two really well-known companies in the outdoor industry i think you're really going to enjoy what we put together there so i'm looking forward to having that out for our next podcast and uh guiding you in that and uh really appreciate you again watching reading listening um thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out please subscribe to the podcast again and um thanks again for checking us out and as I have signed off for the last 49 episodes over the last two and a half years, um, boy, I do these hour long or however long they are programs. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. See you next time.